But tonight, I'm looking forward to our time in the Word. I met our guest speaker, Bill, years and years ago when he was serving at Horizon in San Diego. He uh, migrated east to Indiana and has a wonderful work going on at Horizon Christian Fellowship in Indianapolis. Please welcome Pastor Bill Goodrich. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be here. You guys have heat and it's not humid. In Indiana, it's 92 degrees and humid. But why is everybody going like this? I can't figure that out. You guys all love the Lord? All right. How many, how many here? Yeah, clap. That's great. How many here believe that God answers prayer? He does, doesn't he? And uh, we know that. And we're going to ask the Lord uh, as we go through the message this evening. I believe that He wants to bless us. He always wants to bless us. As I uh, was listening to the worship group and uh, share the songs, I just felt in my heart that more and more that He just wants to express His love to us in very, very special ways. We uh, accepted the Lord in uh, 1975. I know that's before almost every one of you guys were born. I know that. I know that's true. But in 1975, on a Monday evening in San Diego... Uh, Mike McIntosh was preaching out of the book of Revelation. And my wife and I were there, and we looked at each other, and we said, it's time, isn't it? And we had been going to the church for about 30 days, and it was just, just at that moment. We walked forward together, and they've made a movie of it ever since. You know, No, not really. But uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful, obviously, experience. After we accepted the Lord, they took us backstage, and, and there was a guy named Mikey Garcia. And Mike, it was like he was speaking to me only, but he was speaking to all of us. There was about 20 or 30 people that accepted the Lord that night. And he looked at us and he quoted out of the scriptures in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus saying, do you want to be my disciples indeed? Do you want to truly be my disciple? And uh, I'm going there. Yeah, man, I, did, I didn't walk through forward not to be the, you know, follow Jesus. I, I, you know, I, I, I prayed about this. I took a while to think it through. And I, I just want to give my heart to the Lord. And he said, and he quoted the verse. And he said, then, if you will read my word, you abide in me and you read my word, you shall know the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. And Jesus said in verse 36, whom he has set free is free indeed. He's a wonderful Lord, is he not? He truly is. Join with me, please, to uh, praise the Lord. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 29. As Chip said that we live in Indianapolis and we love it there. I call it the, the land of horizontal beauty because uh, it's about as flat as it ever can be. But we love it there. Second Chronicles chapter 29. And I'd like to spend a little bit of time this evening talking about something that is very near and dear to me. I was able to accept the Lord, and that was back in 1975, through a very special time where the Lord was pouring out His Spirit. He's pouring out His Spirit even this evening here. But back in those days, it was a very, very special time. And and I believe if if a book hasn't been written, it should be written about a revival. I I was watching as someone came in, a young lady came in this evening, and she had something on their uh, book on Welsh in there. And and, uh, uh, there was a revival back in 1905, 1904 called the Welsh Revival. And it was a very special time where God poured out His Spirit upon the Welsh people. And there was a man that we have known and loved and for the last five years of his life. We knew him prior to that. Over ten years, he, he would come into our house with his wife. His wife passed away. And, and after that, he came to live with us. He was 97 years old, 
when he passed away. If he was standing behind this pulpit, he'd have to have a stool for you guys to see him. He was just this short little guy that in 1905, as the Welsh revival was splashing over into England, he went to church with his parents, and they went to a Baptist church. He was 15 years old. He was born in 18, um, 1889. And he was there, and he was sitting up in the balcony like some are sitting up there. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him. They sang this song about being in heaven, your, uh, seeing your mother in heaven. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, uh, uh, you're not going to see your mother in heaven. And it really shocked this young man. And it was that time where God was calling him to a strong personal relationship with himself. And Mr. Willis came forward that day and gave his heart uh, to Jesus Christ. At age 16, he was traveling with an itinerant evangelist throughout the British Isles. At age 21, he had his first church in the British Isles there. He was a Baptist church. And then he would go on during his life to be a missionary in Korea, a missionary in China, a missionary in Canada. And he would go and end his life in Southern California there in the 60s and 70s where a revival would break out. See, he was born from above in the midst of a revival and he understood a very special move of God. And we've heard of many revisal, uh, revivals, Azusa, not Azusa Pacific, now that's a college, sorry. But, you know, these different revivals that we have heard. And, and uh, the Welsh revival was one that obviously impacted his heart and it changed his life radically. And so it's a special time when God comes into the lives of a group of people. There in the 60s, it was the hippies. He was rescuing them from the lifestyle that they were involved in and all the drugs and all that that we see. But he comes into our lives each and every day. And I cry out, I've learned to pray that God would revive me and revive our fellowship and revive the people of the fellowship and that he would do it in a special way, but he would do it each and every day. I have spent a lot of time reading books about revival and study it and all that. And actually the word revival, that I use that word to begin with because it's something that each and every one of us understand. But another word that could be uh, in the place of revival would be the word refreshment. How many love to be refreshed? You know, in the Lord. How wonderful it is. Sometimes we're so tired. Sometimes the trials seem to be so heavy in the midst of our lives. But then the Lord comes and, and He does a special thing in the midst of our lives. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Asa by show of hands in the Old Testament? How about Jehoshaphat? Anybody heard him? How about uh, Ezra by show of hands? How about uh, Nehemiah? Okay, you can hear the, uh, know these guys, Joadiah, Josiah, all of these men, I believe that we have here in scripture and multitudes more men and women experienced, experienced something that certain aspects of the Lord that were powerful and mighty. And I'd like to talk about just five of those this evening and give an opportunity that the, if the Holy Spirit would want to answer prayer in Jeremiah 33, three, it says, call unto me. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. I don't know what great and mighty things are. I know in, in June 2nd, 1975, I experienced something that was great and mighty that I got born from above, born again in a, in a special way. I was on the air, uh, plane coming over here, my, me and my wife were uh, on the plane, and I was just kind of resting. I was kind of tired. We got to bed late last night, had to get up early, catch the flight. And then we get to Indianapolis Airport, and we're there, and our flight was canceled. So you've got these 
you know, literally hundreds of people there trying, and two airlines, it's a whole thing, it was uh, weather and all that, it was all messed up, and we go, okay, Lord, what's going on? We'll just, we'll be patient. All of a sudden, we find ourselves, we started out on Continental when we showed up, then we find ourselves on Delta, we, then we find ourselves in Atlanta, Georgia, of all places, trying to get to Albuquerque. I thought it's great to go through Houston, you know, and just show up here, you know. But we're going there. But I thought, well, Lord, what do you got? You know, just, you know, you kind of get a little bit of irritated. Anybody ever get irritated? <laughs> Golly, I'm glad we got truthful people here tonight, okay? And so I'm just kind of getting that. And on the plane from Atlanta, Georgia, I'm just tired, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, okay. So I just want to rest and pray. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just quiet by myself. I'm by the window. My wife's in the middle. And this nice man, when I was right there, young man, 30, about 35 years old, when I sat down, I walked by him, and I looked at him, and there was something about him. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what it was. But I'm sitting there, and I'm just wanting to rest. And, I'm sleeping, and that still small voice goes to me, he has faith to believe. No, 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 no. Is that you, Lord? But, Lord, I'm kind of tired right at this moment, you know. And after all, Lord, he's reading the paper. He doesn't want to be talked to and all that. And buys in between me. I can't get over to him and all that. And so I'm just sitting there and he goes, no, Bill, he has faith to believe. I want you to talk to him. Okay, Lord. And then, you know, you just step out. And then right there in the midst of all that is going on, just this great, great conversation. He didn't accept the Lord there. But, you know, a lot of good seeds were planted. You never know, do you? You never know what the Lord has for us. And so as we look here, just for a moment, I'd like to sign. How many like homework? You guys. Homework. Bible study. How many like Bible study? Come on, encourage me. Okay. Write down. Get out your pens, okay? And get out your papers there. I see that they put there where you can put notes. Anybody need a pen? It's my favorite pen. You can have it, okay? I'd like you just to write some of these things down, please. But as, if you'd like to do that, write down Second uh, Chronicles chapter 29, chapter 30, and 31. And this week, if you'd like to, prayerfully just prepare your heart, get aside somewhere, and just go and look at this man named Hezekiah. And here I'm just going to pull out five aspects that the nation of Israel experienced concerning the relationship of God. And it's something that I would like to encourage you to pray. In Scripture we says, now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of Him. How many believe that? We do believe that, do we not? And so I believe that possibly the Lord would like to touch me. He'd like to teach, touch each and every one of us in a very, very special way. To be renewed is another definition for the word revival. To be restored is another word that would define revival as we see it in Scripture. In Ezra chapter 9, verse 8, it says this, that our God may enlighten our hearts, number one, and give us a measure of revival. How many tonight would love a measure of revival? Refreshment, restoration, that we might see that renewal in the midst of our lives. I believe if we ask the Lord for that, that supernaturally He could meet us. We might not sense anything. Uh, I always say when I first accepted the Lord, I didn't see any stars. I didn't see any stripes. I just knew that something was different in that way. And God can reach out to us. All God's people 
I believe, need revival. We need revival in our nation. We need revival in our homes. We need revival in our churches. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, you guys know it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Our nation needs a great healing, does it not? And so if we will humble ourselves and just simply believe, God, if we cry out, it says in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, like I said, that if we crawl out, if we call out, He will answer us and show us great and mighty things. In Second Chronicles chapter 29, go with me please to verse 10 there, just for a moment. In Hezekiah's life, and we see in his experience, he was birthed by a man that was very ungodly, Ahaz. He comes onto the scene there in chapter 29 of Second Chronicles, and it says in verse 2, it says, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. That's wonderful. May it be said about us, somewhere written in pages, on our tombstone, whatever it would be, in the hearts of our children in our communities, in the church that we attend, wherever it would be, that we followed after the Lord. We follow after the example of David. David's heart is a wonderful one. In Psalm 23, we see that David had a believing heart. We see that he had a meditative heart. We see that he had a heart that was fixed on purity. We see that he had a heart that was courageous. We see that he had also a heart that had, was full of thanksgiving. And we see also that he had a heart that was fixed upon God. And so David is a great man to follow. And Hezekiah followed that example. But look in verse 10. It's very interesting. It says, Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. It's in my heart, Hezekiah said. Daniel, the young man, he came, and we know the story there, taken into captivity, had all the promise set before him, could have had all of the food and the niceties of that land, and they set it before him, and he said, no, I have purposed in my heart, I have made a covenant in my heart that I will follow after the Lord. When we were brand new Christians, my wife and I, we had a, uh, a special time in our house. And we're brand new. And we come into the house, you know, and we've been into all kinds of different things. But we came in there and we decided we are having a house cleansing. Have you ever done that? The Holy Spirit just leads you and, and uh, this has to go. We went to the records. We had to get rid of the records, the books. We got rid of the books. We went in to the kitchen and, and uh, prior to knowing the Lord I had uh, alcohol I had a big uh, hold on me and so we went to above the, the cabinets in the kitchen there and, and all this booze was there and all that and I opened up the cabinets and it comes to my mind pour it down the drain I thought no no way Lord I can sell this there was stuff that was brand, you know it wasn't opened or anything I can sell this I can tie this money to you and he said no pour it down the drain so we opened it up and poured it down the drain now a small thing but yet it was a very special time in our lives that God was setting the covenant deeper into our hearts. As we continued on, my wife was nine months pregnant with our first son, Jeremy. And then we just were just sitting on the couch and the Lord began speaking to us. And, we, and someone was speaking to us about an, uh, establishing an altar. And I don't know where it was, a Bible study or something like that. But they were talking about establishing altars inside of our spiritual heart. And we said, let's do that. And we walked out in the backyard and we stood there. And my wife was, like I said, nine months pregnant and all. And, and we just joined hands. And we said, Lord, we're going to build an altar here. Not a physical altar, but we're going to build a, a spiritual altar. And we just got there and began to say, now, Lord, we want this baby on that altar. And we began to name things and, and all of that and put it on there. And then we jumped on that altar and we said, now, Lord, we joined hands and we prayed. And we said, Lord, we're going to go back into the house right now. But in Jesus' name, we 
ask that you would burn away everything that doesn't belong to you. And then we walked back in. I don't know. I didn't see stars. I didn't see stripes. But I believe that something happened in our lives that day. We make a covenant in our hearts. Turn with me to Hezekiah. Find Hezekiah. Anybody know where it is? There isn't any Hezekiah. Chapter 30 of Second Chronicles, please. And I'd like to, at this moment, if you're into taking notes, I'd like to give you five aspects that are found in the place of refreshment with God. The found, that are found in the place of revival with God. That are found in the place of renewal and restoration with God. And I've studied it, like I said, and, and, and I just want to just share with you five things that are in the midst of what we see here. The first one is found in Second Chronicles chapter 30. Join with me, please, in verse 27. It says, Then the priests, the Levites, arose and blessed the people. And their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to his holy temple, his holy dwelling place, to heaven. And see, if you study this, as you will see this, this is a nation that was ruled by Ahaz, and he had all this idolatry going on. Then all of a sudden he dies, God deals with him, and his son comes into power, Hezekiah, and he's a young man, but he says, I want to purpose in my heart. I want a covenant with God. And because one man stood up, then a difference was made in, the, in, in, in a very special way at that point. In Scripture, we see some very important things. It says in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 7, And there was no one who calls on your name who stirs himself up to take hold of you. See, at times it takes us to stir ourselves up to take hold of God. That's what Hezekiah was doing. He was leading, leading the nation. He went first to the priesthood. And got them cleansed and, and said, hey, you've got to straighten it up, guys. You've got to get the temple clean and all that. Then he went to the leadership and said, guys, you, you're doing it wrong, man. You've got to get it right in this way. And so we see that in the midst now, the first ingredient that we see here, or the first aspect, is a revival of prayer. Would you write that down, please? That you might pray for the people of uh, your church and you would pray for the people of your community and your state and the United States of America. That daily we might covenant with God, if you feel so led, led to pray for our nation, that we would experience a revival of prayer. It's very important. Now, I found four aspects as I stu have studied this. And, and I, I found an outline a long time ago that was a great encouragement to me. But just quickly, I believe as we find a revival of prayer, number one, we should pray for daily prayer. Daily prayer to take place in our hearts. Daily prayer should include a time of secret prayer. Now, Mr. Willis, who I mentioned to you that was born in the Welsh Revival, he would, uh, as he lived in our house, and he, at that point he was probably about 90, let's see, 97, he passed away, so 92 years old, 93 years old. He would come out of his room. We had a four-bedroom house, and he had one of the rooms. And he would come out, and he would have breakfast. And he would sit there at breakfast, and Vi would feed him, and we would be there. And he would stand up, and he had a, uh, a figure that was distort, finger that was distorted. And he would raise that finger into the air, and then he would go, I have an audience with the king. And then he would shuffle off like this. He would just shuffle off like that. And I'm not kidding you. We had old, uh, old shag carpet. Remember those 60s and all that? There was a little path that went back to his bedroom. And Mr. Willis would go into his bedroom. He would put his knees on a pillow. And there on the chair, he would put his Bible. And he would literally spend hours and hours and hours in prayer. It was a thing to behold. It was a blessing. The first time 
Mike McIntyre and I ever went up to where Mr. Willis was. He lived in a Salvation Army community up in the L.A. area. And we go on, we knock on the door. And Mrs. Willis, she had a bright red, a red wig, okay? And it was always crooked. I could never figure it out. It was crooked. It really was. But she came to the door, and she opened the door, and this is how she greeted us. She goes, shh. Mike and I look at each other. Shh. Come on in. So we went in. She emotioned. We sat at the... This, this is true. I'm not lying. I'm not exaggerating. We sat on the couch and just twiddled our thumbs for a while because Mr. Willis was in there praying. And when Mr. Willis was in there praying, everything else stopped at that point. She was such a sweetheart. But see, Mr. Willis taught us so many things, going into his room and all that. A revival of prayer, if we will cry out for it tonight, is found that there is daily prayer, a time of secret prayer. Jesus said, but when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. A promise that we find in Scripture. As we pray and pray for a revival, also pray for the second thing, detained prayer. Not just daily prayer, but detained prayer to allow God to speak to us. Have you guys ever noticed that some of the best sleep you ever have is when you go in to pray with the Lord? How many have known, ever noticed that? Sinners. I find it's true. I go in there, I'm daily wanting to pray, and I want to go in and I want to shut the door and have some detained time with the Lord, and I find some of the best sleep I've ever had. I've got to discipline myself now. But to allow God to speak to us, we have to take time to do that. Third one, dedicated prayer. Not just daily prayer or detained prayer, but dedicated prayer that God's will be done in the midst of our lives. We need to pray for that kind of revival in the midst of our hearts, please, that we would do that. Dedicated prayer that God's will, not our will be done, but God's will would be done. Mr. Willis, I asked him one time, I said, Sir, how do you enter into prayer? And he said, I'll share it with you. I go and I read through the Lord's Prayer. Word by word, I meditate upon it. And then, so I get my heart clean and I'm prepared to spend some time with the Lord in that way. Deta uh, dedicated prayer. So we have daily prayer, de detained prayer, dedicated prayer that the Lord's will would be done. And lastly, determined prayer. Prayer with a seriousness of heart. And so what might we pray that way? And we would pray maybe for each other this evening, for a revival, for a refreshment in the attitude of prayer. Secondly, a revival of praise. A refreshment of praise. These guys were really good, weren't they? I'm going to take them home to Indianapolis with us. We can't do that. But they were really, weren't they really good? They led us into an attitude of praise. But it's very, very important for us to be revived, renewed, refreshed in our time of praise. I was there singing and being uh, refreshed in that way. So there's praise through singing, and we should be experiencing that in our lives. There's also praise through the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to work in our lives. We would not be drunk with anything other than the Holy Spirit. Scripture says, but be filled, or be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So praise through singing. Praise through the Spirit and praise, Lord, we praise you as we surrender our lives. There's an attitude of praise, Lord, I am going to praise you. I'm going to surrender my life to you. A third aspect of revival I've seen as we've gone through here, and, and you can see it. Look at verse 14, please, of chapter 30. They arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem 
And they took away all the incense altars and cast them into the brook Kidron. We see here a revival of purity. Very, very important. Does it not our nation need a revival of purity? It certainly does. And so as we pray for each other, a revival of prayer, a refreshment in prayer, Lord, may you bless us in a very special way that way. Lord, please bring a revival of praise within our midst in that way, a refreshment, a renewal, a restoration of praise. But Lord, would you also bring and work in such a way in our city, within our church, that there would be a revival of purity. And purity is interesting. We need to understand, first of all, the importance of purity. Many don't understand that. In Scripture it says, Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. All through Scripture we see that God says, Come out, my people. Come out of the world and separate yourself. He's asking for purity in the midst. There's a nation that I go to called Ukraine. And I've been uh, in uh, 14 years. I've probably been there almost 20 times. A person was sent out. A bunch of people have gone out from our fellowship to start churches over there. But you think that America is awful in some ways the way people dress on our streets. You go to the Ukraine, and I'm not kidding you. You have to wear blindfolders. It's awful in that way. And it's just, it's really hard. It's really, really hard in that way. But there's, uh, so we have to pray for purity. The influence of and the importance of purity isn't understood in our society as much as it used to be. And there's the impact, not just the influence of purity, but there's the impact of purity. Jesus said this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. That's the impact of purity. If we have purity within, we pray for our youth, we pray for our children, we pray for our church that there would be purity in our midst. And there's also the influence of purity, which causes a separation. And it comes in three ways. A separation from the people of the world, a separation from the places of the world, and the separation of the practices of the world. As we have purity in that way, oh Lord, might you bring a revival, a refreshment into our hearts that we would be so on fire for you, that we would separate ourselves from anything whatsoever that would be a distraction, whatever it would be, that would be people that would be pleasing to you. And then we see a refreshment or a revival of passion. Passion. It's very important. Prayer, praise, purity. And now we have the next last one here, a revival or a refreshment of passion. And we see all the way through Scripture. Look at verses 23 and 22 in chapter 30 here. It says, And Hezekiah gave encouragement to all the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Lord, and they ate throughout the feast seven days offering peace offerings and making confession to the Lord God of their fathers. And notice in verse 23, then the whole assembly, look at the passion, agreed to keep the feast another seven days. And, and, and they kept it another seven days. How? What does it say in Scripture? With gladness, a passion. And we should have a passion. Lord, may you refresh me. May you renew me. May you revive me. May our, church, our churches be revived for a passion. A passion for the body of Christ, but also for the passion for the lost. And that comes in a very interesting thing uh, as far as the passion for the lost. I'd like you to write these down if you wouldn't mind and pray over this. Number one, a passion of seeing the lost. It's very important. 
In Scripture it says, But when He, Jesus, saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. What did He have a passion for? For the lost, yes, but for seeing the lost. Do we ever? I uh, just was taught by my pastor, and he would come and he would go, Hey, Bill, come on, go with me. And we would go down into the inner city of, of San Diego, and he would say, What do you see, Bill? And we'd talk about what we would see. And he'd go into this part and say, let's walk the streets here. Let's get out. Come on, let's walk the streets, you know, and, and all of those things. And he had, he had a passion for the lost. One time we were in Scotland and uh, I was driving on the other side. You know, it's over here in Scotland. And I was driving and Mike was sitting over here. And, and all of a sudden I'm right on the road and he, he just scared me. He goes, Bill, stop, stop. And I pulled over the side of the road and he opened the door. He got out of the car. He ran across the street. He hopped over a fence. I watched him and go, what in the world is going on? I can't believe he's doing. I watch him run up to the top of the hill. He stood up on top of the hill there. And, and I saw him turn around like this with his finger like this, doing all of these things and everything. He stopped what he was doing. And, and then he came down, down the hill, hopped back over the fence, crossed over the street, got in the car, shut the door. And he says, OK, let's go. I looked at Mike. And I said, what in the world was that all about? Well, he says, see those sheep over there? It says in Scripture, go and preach the gospel to all, crea uh, crea all creatures. And I thought, Mike, you are nuts. He was up there preaching the gospel to the sheep. He really was, you know. It was a passion, though. I learned, you know. I was able to travel with him for nine years and see a passion that he had for seeing the lost. The second thing that's important here is a passion of seeking the lost. See, we can see the lost... We can ride down and we can see. But see, sometimes we get in our Christian clique. I do at times. I'm a pastor. I can so be, so be so busy with Christian this and Christian that that I forget to walk my neighborhood and pray it, to ride down the streets and join up with the other uh, pastors that are doing this and, and uh, all of these things. I can, I can see, but I have to learn to have a passion of seeking the lost. Jesus said this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that example I just gave you in that way. And thirdly here, under a revival or a refreshment of passion, we see a passion of saving the lost. Now, we don't do the saving, do we? But it says that in Scripture, in uh, Proverbs chapter 11, I believe it is 31, is blessed is the soul winner who wins souls. Oh, how happy he is. And so seeing the lost, seeking the lost, and saving the lost. I shared this Scripture with the man on the airplane today. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And so a passion that we can pray for, for a, a revival in our hearts, for seeing the lost, seeking the lost, and saving the lost. And finally, we are blessed in the Calvary Chapel movement. We certainly are. The last one is a revival or a refreshment or a restoration or whatever it would be of standing upon the principles of the Word of God. Now we do that. How many have Bibles? Lift them up. Okay. Geez, you guys are willing to do this. This is weird, isn't it? Go like this. There's a few weird people. But we, we're taught, are we not? Aren't you thankful? I'm so thankful 
That right there on June 2nd, 1975, you want to be my disciple indeed? Yes, abide in me, but read the word. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Doesn't it set you free? And we know that. But we have to pray in our hearts because I find at times, I'm in the Word all the time, studying it and all that. And and then I can find myself, wait a minute, I've been so busy preparing to give that I haven't uh, taken time to receive. Lord, revive me. Would you refresh me in your Word today? Would you renew, would you restore an attitude inside of my heart like I've never had, like I used to have maybe, whatever it would be. Would you do a wonderful thing? God in Joshua chapter 1 spoke to Joshua and he said, Listen, Joshua, you be strong and very courageous. And you stay into the word of God. Don't you turn from it from the left to the right. And you meditate upon it day and night. And it will bring prosperity, spiritual prosperity, into the midst of your lives. Unfortunately, I've met many that have wandered away from the Lord. And you see that they there begin, where does it start? Getting away from the Word of God. And so the number one thing that we see, a place of refreshment in what? Number one, your notes, prayer. Number two, praise. Number three, purity. Number four, passion. Number five, standing upon the principles of the Word of God. And chapter 31, that for all of you that are going to do this, chapter 30 breaks down the revival and all these things we see and much more in the midst of it. But then we see in chapter 31, we see the rewards that come into the lives of people that walk this path of refreshment and revival. You'll see as you go through there, look at verse 26 of chapter 30. Actually, it starts there. It says, There was a great joy in Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon, the son of David, David, king of Israel, there had, not, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. And so as we pray for those five things that we see, then we should expect to see great rejoicing, joy in the midst of our lives, joy within the midst of our fellowship and all of that. Then in chapter 31, verse 1, look what it says there. It says, Now when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah and broke the sacred pillars in pieces, cut down the wooden images and threw down the high places and the altars from all Judah, from Benjamin, from Ephraim, and from Manasseh. Notice what it says in verse 1. Until they had utterly destroyed them all, then all the children of Israel returned to their own cities, every man to his possession. What do we see? A reward of revival, refreshment, is that false gods are rejected. False gods. When God moves and he's allowed to move in the hearts of people, then we see false gods turned away from. And another reward in chapter 31, verse 2, it says, And Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and the Levites according to their divisions. Each man according to his service, the priest and the Levites for burnt offerings and for peace offerings to serve, to give thanks and to praise in the gates and to give praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. What's the result? We see their leadership established and reestablished as revival comes into the heart. And then as you go through through there, pastors like this one, you'll see in verse 12, we won't go there, but back the people come to a point in their hearts that now they're giving out of a free heart. They're returning to give an offerings to the Lord. But look at verse 21, and this is where we'll end this morning, or this evening of chapter 30. It says, And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment, or excuse me, in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment, to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. What's the last three words? So 
he prospered. End of the story. He prospered. A result of refreshment of prayer is spiritual prosperity. A result of uh, a revival, refreshment in praise, spiritual prosperity. A revival of purity will result in spiritual prosperity. We will see when we have a passion for the unsaved and the body of Christ, there will be a spiritual prosperity. And as we're in the Word of God and we pray and we pray and we continue to pray as we're in the Word of God, we will see spiritual prosperity that God will bring into each and every one of our lives. May we pray at this moment and we bow our hearts, please.